Welcome back to another episode on the Stay Woke podcast brought to you by thesonicbreakdown.com. I am Cousin Benji. You can follow me at Cousin Benji on Instagram and on Twitter. And I am a content curator for the Stay Woke podcast and the Sonic Breakdown. And we got a fun episode today that is going to be another episode with inside of the series that we are doing called Woke Conda Report. And today we're going to tackle what if the Black Panther were cast in the 1990s. So this is going to be a fun episode today. First, what we're going to go ahead and do is we are going to go ahead and run down the current cast. Then we're going to go ahead and break down kind of the state of what was going on uh, in the 1990s for when this film is going to be set. And then I'm going to go ahead and recast the film and we're going to see how that works. So first, let's go ahead and break it down here. It is a star-studded cast that Ryan Coogler, director for the fame of doing the movie Creed, as well as Fruitvale Station, uh, University of Southern California grad. He's one of the hottest directors in all of Hollywood right now, and he has put together an amazing list. So let's get right into it. So the star of the film, uh, this is based off of a comic book, is T'Challa. He is the king of Wakanda, a fictional Afrofuturistic nation, and... Chadwick Boseman will be playing him. So uh, African movie, African-American actor playing it, have no issues with that. Chadwick Boseman has knocked everything out of the park that he's done. Thus far, he's primarily done roles where he has been doing uh, biographical roles. Uh, he went ahead and played Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. And then he also played James Brown uh, in that movie. And he was awesome. I really enjoyed uh, Chadwick Boseman's work. I feel that he's going to do an excellent uh, T'Challa. In fact, actually, he's already played T'Challa in the uh, Avengers movie that uh, happened. So going down the list, uh, he'll be opposite against Michael B. Jordan, who was playing the villain of the movie, Eric Killmonger. Which, uh, if you listen to our previous uh, episode where we talked about Eric Killmonger, he is the villain of the film, but in a way he might actually even be one of the heroes of the film, depending on how you go ahead and take a look at it with that lens. And Michael B. Jordan, uh, pretty much kind of uh, attached at the hip right now in Hollywood when it comes to Ryan Coogler. They've both had success together, so I guess... Uh, who better to go ahead and put in this role, uh, Mr. Coogler would have thought. So you have... Michael B. Jordan, who initially kind of gained fame playing the iconic role of Wallace. Uh, everybody's talking about, where's Wallace, man? Where's Wallace? So uh, Wallace was a character from the critically acclaimed HBO show The Wire. And prior to that, Michael B. Jordan had already been starring on, uh, I think it was one of these uh, shows like either Young and the Restless or Days of Our Lives. So he was busting his chops and like really putting in work uh, before the fame had come from HBO while he was doing soap operas. So uh, he went ahead and gained a lot of acclaim with Fruitville Station, did an excellent job. I'm actually born and raised in the Bay Area. So, I mean, it was authentic as all get out from the hoodie to the vernacular of having that Oakland, East Oakland slang and that feeling. It was superb. I mean, he he knocked that out of the park. And then he went on to go ahead and do Creed. I am a huge, huge Rocky fan. And of course, you know, if you're a brother, you loved Apollo Creed. So when he came through and he played Adonis Creed, I mean, I can't wait till the sequel comes out. But in true Rocky fashion, they're always going to put sequels when you aren't ready for them. But when they come and they drop, they're going to be hot. So Michael B. Jordan, Opposite Chadwick Boseman as the mirror between the villain as well as the hero, which was something we talked about in our previous uh, podcast on uh, Eric Killmonger. You should go ahead and check that out if you already haven't. So going down the list continues to be star studded. We have Lupita Nyong, who gave a brilliant performance in 12 Years as a Slave, a performance that netted her an Oscar, which is big time. I mean, there's only so many... Um, actresses currently acting right now that actually can say that they've been nominated for an Oscar, let alone winning an Oscar, let alone being a black woman that has won an Oscar, and also being a black woman that happens to go ahead and have a rich, complected melanin, which is something that has been uh, lacking of sorts when it comes to Hollywood over time. So she broke through that glass barrier, did it with poise, did it with class, and she's kind of been under the radar 
of sorts because she's done a lot of voiceover work for a few animated films. Um, uh, also does the uh, voiceover work for Star Wars, one of their characters in their universe. Uh, so she's done some roles here and there, but really hasn't gotten back on like inside of a main like stage type of uh, screen. And if you've watched the trailer, which looks absolutely awesome, they have a scene where she's like walking through what looks to be, I believe there may be in um, Korea and maybe South Korean Seoul. And she's walking through a casino, very James Bond-esque, which they might be hinting at something. Uh, recently, it was talked about from the uh, showrunners right now that are in control of the James Bond series that the next James Bond might be a person of color. And of course, they just said it might be a person of color or a woman, which started a little bit of a black Twitter storm as foolish things like that tend to do. And uh, of course, black Twitter held their feet to the fire and said, well, of course, you know, it's got to be a person of color or it's got to be a woman, but it can be a woman of color and it can't specifically be a black woman, uh, which I think there's nothing that Lupita Nyong can't do. So I would love to go ahead and see her take on the mantle of 007. But in this film, she's going to be playing Nikia, who is one of the members of the Dora Milaje, which we also touched upon that in a previous episode where we broke down the Dora Milaje and how they're this awesome uh, Amazonian fighting troop. So, yes, there are black Amazons. So, for those people that are saying that, oh, it happens to go ahead and be more liberalism and they're going ahead and they're adding in uh, people of color for Amazons for the Wonder Woman movie, stop it. First off... If you want to go ahead and do your history properly, the real Amazons were West African women, part of the Benin tribe, but I'm only giving you that taste. If you want to go ahead and find out more about it, go and check out that episode that we have in our archives, part of the Stay Woke podcast. I told you, you can't just stay woke, you got to be woke, so that means you got to go there, you got to listen to the stuff. So, moving down the list, we have Angela Bassett, who is going to be playing the role of Romanda. Romanda is basically the queen mother of Wakanda. She is not T'Challa's mother. She is the mother of uh, Shuri, who happens to go ahead and be his sister. She was, I uh, believe, a woman from South Africa uh, who ended up taking the heart of the uh, king of Wakanda at the time, T'Challa's father, T'Chaka, who we see uh, perished, unfortunately, uh, in the Avengers movie. So she's been the queen mother, uh, kind of queen regent, but unlike Cersei from Game of Thrones, she's actually like done her job and not influenced and gone a little crazy and created all kinds of commotion with inside of the kingdom. So uh, Angela Bassett, I mean, what more is there to say? She's also been nominated for Oscars, put together hit roles from the 1990s. On top of that, she's been reprising roles with inside of American Horror Story for the better part of uh, the past about five, six years. They're deep within the seasons. She's absolutely awesome. And on top of that, she found the secret fountain of youth because she constantly seems to be getting younger. She looks younger now than when she looked in the 90s. It's absolutely crazy. So she's going to be playing Ramonda. I'm sure she's going to bring nothing but grace and class to that role, uh, and it's going to be great to go ahead and see her on the screen. Then, going down here, we have Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman has been in a few movies here and there. I'm not too familiar with some of his work. I've always seen him, but I don't think I've watched some of his films. He's one of those guys that cut his chops in the BBC with him being a British actor that's come over here to the United States of America. He will be playing Everett K. Ross, who I love the character of Everett K. Ross. He is pretty much the liaison uh, when it comes to the United States government with basically handling Wakanda. So he's almost like the foreign uh, officer for Wakanda. So he is the guy that knows everything that's going on about Wakanda. And if you have seen the trailer, he and actor that I'll be getting to, Andy Serkis, uh, who is reprising his role of Ulysses S. Claw, are sitting down together uh, where it seems like he's interrogating him inside of this room to try to figure out uh, what Claw knows or maybe he's committed some type of crime already. So um, Everett K. Ross is the liaison. He's going to be played by Martin Freeman, uh, your typical kind of like buttoned up pen pushing guy that 
probably has a little bit of an appreciation, at least in some of the comics uh, that were written by Priest when the Black Panther was brought back in the 1990s. Uh, Ross was a very um, sympathetic figure inside of the uh, comic book. It's almost like he was the tag along for T'Challa and was like his like greatest sidekick. He, uh, he reminded me kind of the kid that would be following the dog inside of the Aesop fables on like the Rocky and Bullwinkle type stuff. You know, he was just like, yeah, like get him T'Challa. So Andy Serkis, uh, he's going to be playing Claw. We know Andy Serkis from the amazing level of physical acting that he would do with taking on roles like playing Schmeagol, Gollum, with inside of Lord of the Rings. That's where he really got his name. And then also uh, played Caesar in the uh, Planet of the Apes reboots that uh, we saw. I don't know if he's continued in the latest uh, sequels that they've had in the last uh, movie, which I haven't watched that yet. But Andy Serkis, uh, he's also, I believe, won an Oscar for what he was able to go ahead and do uh, with Lord of the Rings. Um, awesome. He uh, really gets that Afrikaans accent down and creates a villain that we have often not seen. But sometimes if you've read about, uh, if you're familiar with Antal, Antal Fugar, the uh, great writer and playwright uh, that's of South African descent, writing great plays like Siswe Bonzi is dead. So uh, Andy Serkis, awesome. Then uh, going down further on the list, we have Danny Waria, who is playing the role of Okoye. Oh, uh, you would know her from The Walking Dead as Michonne. Uh, also, if you've not watched her in the movie George, which is a drama, it is on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on Netflix because, you know, they're pushing that original content and uh, they're starting to take some stuff off of there. So uh, she played in the movie George, uh, African woman that's trying to go ahead and get pregnant and is having troubles with her husband. Awesome, awesome role that she played. Uh, she's going to bring, um, I think, uh, a level of um, legitimacy also with what she's able to do with Michonne. So some of the fighting scenes that are going to exist, I'm pretty sure they probably didn't even need a stunt double for her. So she seems double tough, gorgeous, gorgeous woman, great actress. She's going to be playing Okoye, who Okoye is one of the kind of lead members of the fighting force I was talking about already. Uh, so, and she is going to go ahead and be partnered with and tied with Ao, which when we broke down the episode that I was talking about, the aforementioned episode about the Amazonian uh, women that exist with inside of Wakanda, a part of their fighting force. This character, Ao, is played by Florence Kasumba. We first saw Florence Kasumba, for many of us, when we were watching her in the Avengers movie, to where there was a scene between her, uh, Chadwick Boseman's character, T'Challa, as well as the Black Widow. And the Black Widow needed to go ahead and talk to T'Challa, but he's royalty. So that's just like somebody just like rolling up like uh, whatever type of reporter you can think of or person just rolling up like, oh, I need to go ahead and talk to Prince uh, Henry or Prince William right now. And they're like, well, hold up. This person is a king. So Florence Kasumba's character, Ao, is like kind of the enforcer uh, the old guard, uh, so to speak, uh, that happens to go ahead and be a part of the Dora Milaje. And she simply said, move or I will move you. And of course, that was memed to death and it definitely deserved to be. So she's going to be playing Ao. Uh, Ao and Okoye actually inside of Roxanne Gay's comic uh, reprising where she had taken over the uh, Black Panther comic and did a run with it. And I believe she's still writing for it. Uh, Roxanne Gay, if you don't know about her, check her out. She's an awesome uh, essayist, great writer. And there's actually a love story that exists between Okoye and Ao. Unfortunately, though, it looks like that won't exist at all inside of this movie. Uh, much to the dismay of folks in the LGBT community want to go ahead and see fully fleshed out characters that represent them. So uh, then there's a newcomer here, which I've never seen him act before. His name is Winston Duke. Um, and he's going to be playing the role of M'Baku, and M'Baku is also known as Man-Ape, which M'Baku the Man-Ape, 
uh, is usually a villain that T'Challa has to go ahead and defeat. He's a part of the White Gorilla Tribe. So with T'Challa being part of the Black Panther Tribe, the White Gorilla Tribe, they get their powers from feasting upon the White Gorilla. Uh, and they have to hunt one down, and it carries these like mythical properties with inside of it in order for them to have immense strength so winston duke i know if he's going to be playing this role he's probably at least about six two six three and um you know he he probably squat a lot of weight like he's, he's probably going to be a pretty strong brother so uh there's that and then you have john connie who uh has been playing King T'Chaka. So with him being in the film, that means that they're definitely going to probably do some flashbacks uh, or if not some flashbacks, maybe they'll do something similar to when uh, in the Lion King, you have Simba talking to Mufasa through, you know, the interconnected of like, uh, you know, ancestors and spirits and spirituality is something that is very steeped within inside of the Eastern culture that is Wakanda, uh, since it is derived from uh, African culture uh, through most of the nations uh, that exist. So we'll get a chance to go ahead and see John Connie is going to reprise that role. We'll most likely go ahead and see him um, in that capacity. And then uh, Daniel Kaluna, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Uh, he, we would know him as the person that starred in Get Out. And he is playing a role which I don't really know the character because it may be a character that was just brought up for the film rather than actually for the uh, comic book. But if you look at the trailer, you can see that he's probably playing a character that is like the lead of maybe he's like the hand of the king of sorts if you watch game of thrones and because there's a scene where you can see michael b jordan's character killmonger standing with him and they're most likely opposite to chala so something's going on there so he's definitely a person that has a lot of power with inside of the kingdom probably from a militaristic standpoint so that was the kind of quick one down that I was able to go ahead and do when it comes to the current cast. That's an awesome cast. You know, it is directed and partly written uh, by uh, Ryan Coogler. So that's awesome. So for this purpose now, we're going to shift gears and we're going to get into what I love to talk about because I am a history major. And unfortunately, as we know, in this economy, uh, that means I don't really get to use my degree at all. So uh, I get to go ahead and use it here on the podcast. And um, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. And I would like to say that this what if scenario will exist around about 1998. So what happened in 1998 in films? Well, some of the top films that you had in 1998 were Rush Hour, starring Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan giving us another um, hit here in America after he had already had success with Rumble in the Bronx once it had been ported over here to the U.S. So uh, Chris Tucker um, was a star for playing Smokey inside of the Friday series. And then you had Saving Private Ryan, which was one of those big blockbuster uh, hits by Steven Spielberg. No surprise there. Big time film. Then you had The Prince of Egypt was a 1998 film. And it was one of Disney's last cell shaded films and kind of was a precursor to seeing that there was a market for high level uh, Christian and religious based films in the United States of America. So this was kind of the precursor to a movie that Mel Gibson did, uh, The Passion of the Christ, which broke all kinds of records worldwide at the time. Boy, though, what a uh, difference uh, about, you know, some years make because uh, Mel Gibson definitely ain't going to be making no movies like that anytime soon in Hollywood. But that's another story and another podcast. And then you have Dr. Doolittle brought to you by Eddie Murphy. So this is Eddie Murphy after being the hottest thing since sliced bread in the 1980s. Then the 1990s disappeared for a little while, although, you know, we might have to just go ahead and do a couple of episodes at some point where we just talk about some of our favorite films. And I can talk about Brooklyn and Vampire because that was an underrated movie. You know, Eddie did his thing with that. And then he popped up and he started playing the clumps and Nettie Professor and all that. But at this point, he was starting to get into the realm of I'm only going to do popcorn Disney-esque type movies. And here he was a person that had a young Kyla Pratt as his daughter and they were talking to animals and stuff and it was Dr. Doolittle. So that's where Eddie Murphy was. On the political sense of things, ooh, 98 was a hot one. 
98 uh, basically had what some people are thinking may happen currently right now. We had Congress come into the decision, and they impeached the president. Uh, yes, uh, at the time, the president was Bill Clinton, and the Drudge Report was just starting to go ahead and gain some steam. That was when um, media was starting to go ahead and shift into the whole dynamic that we have today with about the right and the left and the blue and the red. And at that point, Bill Clinton was in a lot of hot water for his uh, scandal with Monica Lewinsky, but more so for lying for it. So for perjury and obstruction of justice, he was impeached. Um, and Harry Potter was first published in 1998. So a book that would eventually get kids to start reading again and absolutely just take over the world. So that was 1998 in a nutshell. But what also happened in 1998, we had a Marvel movie drop. A very successful Marvel movie, I might add. So when everybody is out here talking about Marvel this and Marvel that, they had humble beginnings. And we talk about that in previous podcasts where we were talking about um, DC versus Marvel with regards to uh, the Thor Rag- or the Ragnarok movie in comparison to the Justice League movie. But one of the shining moments in Marvel and one of the catalysts and precursors to the MCU that we have was we had the half-born vampire, full black male, Wesley Snipes taking on the role of Blade. And boy, was he awesome. So for the purpose of this what-if scenario, we are suspending animation as if Blade is not going to be made in 1998. And instead, we're going to go ahead and have the Black Panther. And it's going to be starring T'Challa as Wesley Snipes. I think Wesley Snipes is a perfect pick here for the fact of um, he's, I think, like a multiple level degree black belt, uh, basically did a lot of his own stunts inside of the Blade movie, has the physicality to go ahead and do it. Remember, this is 1998, so now the Wesley Snipes that you're thinking of, if you some of our young viewers that are watching the podcast, you know, you're getting Wesley, like, after they didn't put him in jail for tax evasion. Like, this is, I'm talking about the Wesley when he had his money and he wasn't paying the government. That's the Wesley that I'm talking about. That's, that's who we're talking about here. Blade, he had started New Jack City, you know, talking about, I never liked him anyways. Like, that's that's the Wesley Snipes we're talking about. Fortunately, they also put that dang gold hair on him and had him in, um, what was it? It wasn't Judge Dredd, but it was the uh, movie where he was put on cryostasis, came back. Oh, yeah, his name was Simon Phoenix, and it was uh, Demolition Man. So, Demolition Man. So, you can see all the physicality. Um, also the fact too, let's be honest, everybody always assumed that he had some portion of African because this was at the time when, you know, you could somewhat be too black in Hollywood and, uh, Wesley Snipes, like there used to be a term, like there'd just be all like, you know, is he black, black, or is he Wesley Snipes black? And, you know, I, I was, I was told that I happened to be a highly melanated brother myself. So I was been told that I had Wesley Snipes type black in me for a very long time. So, uh, moving on down the list, let's go with Killmonger and, um, with the editor of the podcast and uh, uh, full CEO of the Sonic Breakdown, we had a little bit of a disagreement where we were just trying to figure out who would Killmonger be. Because, you know, we've talked about it in prior podcasts. you got to have a mirror. And also, too, we're trying to get as closely possible to kind of the current list, but from the vibe of what would go on in 1998. So we have both kind of, you know, decided, I guess, Will Smith would be the person to go ahead and best do this. So this is Will Smith. I believe it was 96 or so when he had MIB come out. Um, So and I think he had just got done basically flopping with um, trying to go ahead and do the whole portrayal of the Wild Wild West. So this would be the perfect time. So for those people thinking like, oh, Will Smith wouldn't do no, you know, uh, movie like the Black Panther at that time, especially if he's not going to be the star. This was the best time to go ahead and catch Will. He, he's a little bit on the downswing right now. You know, this is before he gets ready to go ahead and do Ali and, like, get nominated for an Oscar and have his woman Jada Pickett there in the audience mad as hell. And back then there was no Twitter, so I guess she went on AIM or Black Planet and started blasting uh, the Oscars for why her husband didn't win. So, you know, this, this is Will Smith. Um, also physically imposing as well. 
uh, with just the level of height he had, uh, had done movies like Bad Boys and stuff, so was used to uh, being kind of a little bit of an action star. Um, one thing I want that y'all to go ahead and do as well, fellow woke condoms that are out there, I want you all to go ahead, when this drops and you're listening, pop in on Twitter, go ahead, and uh, we'll put something up there to see what, who, how would you go ahead and recast it? How would you go ahead and recast it? Because, you know, this is just our own thoughts and our own opinions. Well, basically my thoughts and my opinions. So um, let's keep going down the list here and let's go with Romanda. So Romanda's currently being played by Angela Bassett. So I'm like, hmm, who can I find here that has this level of class, grace, can go ahead and pull this off, uh, would be a star in the 90s. And initially I was thinking Ruby D. But even then, uh, and for those that don't know Ruby D, uh, Ruby D uh, was acting for forever. Uh, God rest her soul, but she lived a very long life with her husband, Ozzy. I mean, they were just the pinnacle of what a Hollywood couple is. And those, you know, you ascribe to be like currently right now, probably be like Angela Bassett and Courtney B. Vance. But um if you've seen the movie Do the Right Thing, uh, she was the woman that the mayor, which was her husband, Ozzie Davis, was was after her and constantly trying to be with her. And uh, she just had that great scene also where she even got nominated for an Oscar uh, opposite uh, Denzel when she was playing his mother in American Gangster, where she just had that awesome scene where she slapped him in the face and just told him, I will leave you, your wife will leave you, Frank. But I think for this role, she might just be a little too old. So I'm going to go with the woman who we talked about the recuperative and regenerative processes, the Wolverine-type healing that Angela Bassett has. So I got to thinking. And until recently, when I've been watching the TV show on the own network that Oprah has called Greenleaf. If you haven't checked it out, if you go to church, you should watch Greenleaf. If you don't go to church, you should watch Greenleaf. It's just an awesome, awesome show. And one of the stars, the mother, the queen mother, the church mother, is none other than Lynn Whitfield. A person to where... If she hasn't, like, gotten younger over time, there is a period from, like, the 1980s to, like, maybe about three years ago, she looked the same. <laughs> like, she was just, like, suspended in animation. Lynn Whitfield uh, first started uh, acting, like, I think in the late 50s, early 60s opposite Harry Belafonte in the opening scenes of my favorite movie of all time, Carmen Jones. And I'm talking about Carmen Jones, the original. I'm not talking about that garbage. If you're in my age range, that was called Carmen Jones, the hip hopper that Beyonce was in there. Come at me, beehive. It was an awful movie. There, there's no defense of that. And most deaf, you should have been ashamed of yourself for being in that too. Cause you knew better. It was bad. So, you would also probably know her uh, from 90s fix, because some of you youngins, you just swear that you're from the 90s, so since you know every damn thing about the 90s, then you should know that she was in the movie A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, where she was starring with Martin Lawrence, and I mean, she took crazy to a whole nother level. Look, guys, if you're going to slide in their DMs, be prepared that they might try to slide a knife up in you. Don't 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 mess with sisters anymore. Like 2017, not don't mess with them. Like I I'm all for dating sisters are the only folks I date, but I'm saying as in don't mess with their emotions. They're out here like getting master's degrees, winning awards. 2017 was just like an awesome year for black women across the globe. Serena Williams out here winning trophies, you know, having a baby, getting married, like Oscars were flowing for folks like it was just awesome but do know don't try to mess all that up if you ain't bringing nothing to them stay your ass on the side of yo direct message don't slide into the dms like that because if you do you should pop in a thin line between love and hate and you can see what could happen to your ass don't 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 be a player all right so moving down the list here Mbaku Mbaku played by Winston Duke that we were talking earlier, which I got to thinking too. I wonder if he's related to Bill Duke. You know, Bill Duke is just that big brother 
like, you know, dark skin, complected brother and stuff like that, with kind of the pinkish lips. This is always eating like a bag of Lay's potato chips. And, you know, is a cop that just looks like he's always like two days from retirement in like the movies in the 90s and the 2000s. Anyways, uh, Michael Clark Duncan should play M'Baku, the late great michael clark duncan god rest his soul which i think he might be turning over in his grave because wasn't he dating uh amorosa i believe he was at the time i know michael clark duncan he just he rolling into a green mile in his grave right now just thinking about like how could i have dated this woman but that's beyond the point was i believe nominated for oscar at least the the movie green mile was nominated for oscar the ultimate gentle giant uh true professional guy that uh was a uh, had a big heart um and i just his hulking presence and personality i don't think there i mean i possibly thought about ving rames being in this spot here but also one thing that we wanted to do is for there's a reason why not only do you have africans like lupita nyong and florence kasumba uh and daniel kaluma in this uh film it, you also have folks with a rich and deep melanin that are in this film as well for a reason, because this is a movie that is FUBU-esque, for us, by us. And as a result, we love all folks within the diaspora, as you know, we've seen recently with some of these uh, attacks that have been made on folks like Cardi B. She identifies as black, and as long as she is doing things that is uplifting black folks, then she's black. You know, she's Puerto Rican, like there are all different shades and colors as a palette of makeup from Rihanna's Fenty Beauty. We come in all shades, all the way from albino to the richest, deepest chocolate possible uh, to the melanin goddess that we see on Instagram uh, and all other uh, Sudanese models that have just been taking things over by storm. Uh, however, because there has not been appreciation for women of color particularly, of what you see in the current film and just folks regardless when it comes to having that rich and deep chocolate melanin we want to try to keep true to that with this film you know that we're doing metaphorically or um that we're just kind of doing here in 1998 so as a result of that michael clark duncan has a richer melanin than um some other folks i could have thought of so we're going to go with michael clark duncan and also i just think he's a perfect fit so going down the list here we have everett k ross Everett K. Ross, as we know, Andy Sorkin inside the current film. So, inside of this film, let's go with an actor that I love. He played Nucky Thompson in Boardwalk Empire. He was in a, I believe, Oscar-winning film or nominated film, Fargo, back in the day. And in a film that is good in any hood, and I'm talking about Con Air, put the bunny down classic nick cage back when he was getting roles for acting like that that's also what the 90s is about too so sometimes you're like man i don't know what some of these people you cast in here is a little quirky just know that nick cage was the man in the 1990s you know what i'm saying so this is different than what y'all like and also if you notice something too here is some of the people that i've gone down the list on uh lupita nyong i believe was raised in mexico for the most part, and um, also two might have been raised uh, in other countries. Um, Daniel Kaluma, I believe, is from the UK. Um, we know An uh, Martin Freeman is also from the UK. Uh, I believe Andy Sorkin is also not American. Uh, if you just go down the list here, in the 90s, I'm putting American actors and actresses in because that's what it was. Before all these folks from the UK and other countries came in and started taking all these acting jobs because their chops just seem to be a little bit better right now, it was pretty much run by, you know, good old homegrown made in the USA Americans. So, person that I'm going here with is Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, like I said... In Fargo, Con Air, he kind of has that little quirky type of personality where I could see him just like sitting there being like, wait, y'all want to do what? Y'all want to go into Wakanda? He just flipping through pages all like, no, let me tell you reason 131 why we shouldn't go into Wakanda. Like, he just seems like a perfect fit for me. Class act actor. And at the time, he was always taking on bit roles. So he's one of those people where you could put in there and be able to kind of... Um, be able to take it for that budget because already 
uh, Wesley Snipes and Will Smith, they ain't coming for no chump change. So, going down the list here, Shuri, the character Shuri that we have here, which Shuri I didn't talk about uh, in the last one, but she's being played by Latita Wright, which um, I don't know too much about the sister. However, I know that she uh, is gorgeous, gorgeous. Like she has like this just like great model-esque look uh, to her. And if you watch the TV show Black Mirror, or if you don't watch the TV show Black Mirror, you need to go ahead and at the very least, even if you don't have a Netflix, go ahead, borrow one from a family member, friend, countryman, whatever, or go ahead and get that free trial for as long as they give in the free trial out and go watch season four, episode six of Black Mirror. She is starring in it. The title of the episode is Black Museum. And, uh, it is a amazing episode, and she does an awesome job in it. Um, you can see her in the teaser trailer where uh, Chadwick Boseman's character uh, T'Challa comes up to her, and they got like this kind of type of handshake going on. And that's one of the things where I was like, man, it don't matter where you're from. Whether you're from, you know what I'm saying, Chicago, you're from Baltimore, you're from East St. Louis, you're from Oakland, you're from Wakanda. It's like we always got to have our own flavor for a handshake. So... Um, she's playing Shuri in the current cast. So when I'm thinking of the nineties and I'm thinking of somebody that's kind of reminds me of her and has like a kind of, um, innocent look and, and a certain amount of just, 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 just that, that innocent quality where it's just like, Oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for her and also could come off and have some decent acting chops. I'm going out on a little limb here and I'm rolling with Brandy. Brandy did a great job of being one of the first, I think the first live action black princess when she played Cinderella uh, opposite the late great Whitney Houston. And at this time, I believe she was still doing Moesha or just got done doing Moesha on UPN. Uh, shout out to UPN back in the day. A lot of great shows on that network. So, um, It'd be interesting, and definitely, you know, in the 90s, we would probably want to hear some singing. So there's going to be some type of, like, scene where she could go ahead and bust out some vocals here, and that'd be super dope. So, Brandy for Shuri. So, moving on now to King T'Chaka. King T'Chaka. As we talked about it, John Connie is the person that's played him. I want to go here with a classic actor along the same lines, probably a good friend in that acting class of Lynn Whitfield. And I want to go with Lou Gossett Jr. Um, he won a Oscar for a best supporting role in an officer and a gentleman opposite Richard Gere. Just always when you think of class and you think of a man and you think of somebody that, can be like a father figure Lou Gossett Jr. uh brings that together you would probably also know him for starring roles as playing Fiddler when he was trying to go ahead and teach a young Kunta Kente inside of the uh miniseries Roots uh as well as for some of the uh later roles that he had where uh he had kind of a role in that opening scene of uh Why Did We Get Married where uh he and his wife were out there on the beach and talking about marriage. And that's just the type of, like, feel that he has. So I could definitely see a nice scene with uh, Lou Gossett Jr. either beyond the uh, grave or uh, actually right there. So Lou Gossett Jr. is ting King T'Chaka. So uh, Ao, the character that is played by Florence Kasumba, me and... Uh, the CEO of the uh, company here with the Sonic Breakdown, we kind of went back and forth a little bit on this, but I just really couldn't think of anybody else. And also too, there's not a lot of sisters even that are going to want to go ahead and shave their head uh, <laughs> for this role. Even though we're seeing that now, back then it was tough to go ahead and get roles. So they, they probably weren't willing to go ahead and shave their head. So you're looking for somebody that has kind of a matriarch feel. We've already talked about that we're looking for rich, melanin, complected women to go ahead and also match up with what exists in the current uh, cast. So I decided with Ao, kind of the enforcer of the Dora Milaje and the old guard, to roll with Grace Jones. 
Oh, uh, you know her from the movie Boomerang, where she was just acting up crazy as Strange, but also she really got her chops by playing a villainess inside of a Bond film. And so she's got that like level of physicality, just also the cheekbones and her characters and features, very similar to Florence Kasumba when you think of like just that aesthetic, beautiful quality of just having like those striking features on a face. We want some fierceness. So, I mean, the originator of Fierce is Grace Jones. So we're going to roll with Grace Jones. And I think a movie like this, had it come out at that time for Grace Jones, would have done a great job of reviving her career. Because one thing that the 1990s did, too, was it revived some careers. Quentin Tarantino was able to go ahead and revive John Travolta's career with what he did for him in Pulp Fiction. Um, Same thing with Pam Greer being revived also inside of uh, the movie Jackie Brown. So I think a blast from the past... Auntie Grace Jones would be absolutely awesome here. So, keeping with the Dora Milaje, let's go down the list here to Okoye. And Okoye is a little bit younger, as we know. That role is being played by Danny Guaria of Michonne from The Walking Dead. So I'm also looking for someone here that kind of, in between, young, like, late 20s, early 30s, and just has like that level of energy to be able to do uh, some of the scenes. And I'm thinking of going with Regina King here. People forget Regina King when she was younger on 227 and then also in Poetic uh, Justice and was in that movie with Will Smith. So with her already having a working relationship with Will Smith, if Will was on the fence about joining, I think... If Regina was along for the ride, that it would also go ahead and make sure to land Will Smith. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm putting Regina King in there. And then we're talking about the girlfriend of T'Challa. We're talking about Nakia, the character that's played by Lupita Nyong. And I think Nia Long here would be perfect. Another person that was very good friends with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air showing up on some uh, episodes here and there. Someone else to make sure that we can get Will Smith so this can be a big blockbuster budgeted type film. Already rocked the short natural cut anyways. So even if they were decided not to go bald, she has that kind of look that exists already in the comics uh, for that aesthetic purpose that is needed. Uh, And then also, I mean, we're talking about beautiful women here. Like we've got the beautiful women like a Danny Warrior. We've got the beautiful women like a Nupiti Nyong. So if we're going to the 1998 uh, and we're trying to go ahead and keep it real, I mean, come on, Nia Long. Like it's Nia Long, Boys in the Hood. It is what it is. And now we're going to go ahead and we're going to looking at the villain, Ulysses S. Claw. Claw, that is played by Andy Serkin. I'm thinking of going here with Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz, uh, you would know him if you've watched the movie Inglorious Bastards. He played the evil Nazi that, I mean, he just made you absolutely loathe and hate him just what two minutes into the film when he goes ahead and like reveals the uh, Jews that are hiding underneath the floorboards and then guns them down as he's like letting them get away. Um, you would also know him from Django where he is uh, playing the uh, character that is going ahead uh, and trying to help Jamie Foxx's character and help Django out. Uh, but at the same time, selfishly just trying to go ahead and uh, use him as a means to his own ends. But we're looking for a character that would be able to go ahead and, really master that accent uh as well as he just has that kind of like look to him like a a little bit of like a south african afrikaans type of like look uh there and um yeah he 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 definitely would be would be perfect for that role he's also about five seven which in hollywood terms you know is kind of tall here so one thing that i have not dropped yet who would direct such a film well, you got Spike Lee, who right now is doing his thing out here. People, you thought that you left Spike for dead. I watched Red Hook Summer. Did you? Probably not. I watched uh, The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Did you? You know damn well you probably ain't watched The Sweet Blood of Jesus. But Spike has revived himself on Netflix with She's Gotta Have It. 
So the tables turn, uh, you know, just about over the last 10 years, people say, oh, Spike, he's bitter. He's hating on the Tyler Perrys. He's hating on the Lee Daniels. But talent shows through. At the end of the day, we want a good product. However, Spike would not be right for this film because we need them box office dollars. Spike, Will Smith, that 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 wouldn't happen. We could we couldn't see that happen. Wesley Snipes would probably be the person to be pushing like, "No, oh, come on, let's get Spike." But instead, I think we go ahead and roll with my frat brother, the one and the only John Singleton. John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, he'd be able to go ahead and convince the folks like Nia Long, the Regina Kings of the world, respected by the Lou Gossett Juniors, the Michael Clark Dunklins, the Wesley Snipes, a big enough name, especially at that time in the 1990s, to go ahead and secure someone like Will Smith. You would get a gritty, very story-heavy, laden, driven-type film. Uh, He was hot at that time, still uh, in the 1990s. Was somebody that the production studios were probably a lot more willing to go ahead and work with and be able to go ahead and raise funds than Spike Lee. So that is the list that I have. I think it's awesome. 1998. Story-wise, I think the story uh, would probably be similar to kind of like what we have. I think you might see, though, more. You know what is interesting? With the way that the comics are designed and with the way that the budgets were back then it depends i'm actually just i'm just freestyling here and i'm just thinking and i'm like priest and his comics had t'challa like looking almost like uh samuel l jackson in the shaft film very shaft-esque um kind of darker a lot more gritty I'm wondering if maybe they would have set this film inside of New York and it would have been uh, the theme that existed when T'Challa leaves and comes to the UN kind of like meetings that are happening inside of New York. And maybe we have more of that and less of Wakanda inside of the film inside of 1998. So I think that actually might have been different just with the way that the budgets and stuff were designed uh, because Marvel has been banking money. So, you know, and, and even then, they did all this inside of like sets. They did not travel out to African nations like Kenya and Uganda and all these places and shoot there. This this was done inside of a soundstage studio inside of Atlanta. And then they took a bunch of photos and uh, I think shot in a few locations here and there. So this was back when they were actually doing locations. Uh, the level of money that it would cost. That's another reason why a Hannibal film hasn't been made yet. But hint, hint, it needs to happen. We need to go ahead and have Hannibal of Carthage. The person that went ahead and defeated the Romes with elephant armies, um, you know, which was a black man. They've been trying to get that movie off the ground for years. So I would think that's I think it might be set in a more of an urban setting. So that even makes more sense now for some of the cast that we would have. So it would be set in an urban setting probably after the death of T'Chaka's father or uh, T'Challa's father, T'Chaka, and uh, maybe returning in the second half of the film to Wakanda to go ahead and finish off the skirmish. So I think that's uh, the way that I could see the storyline going. I think this would be an absolute hit back in 1998. Films were still very big blockbuster films. You know, Jurassic Park was successful. Then The Lost World was successful. You um, had still a lot of like big budget type of blockbuster films that were happening. The film industry is struggling a lot more now. Theaters are struggling a lot more now than what they were back then. Uh, And Blade was very successful. So Wesley Snipes, bankable star. Will Smith, bankable star. Good cast through the rest of it. You had movies already. It's weird now that people are like, oh, you know, black cast. Um, You know, I mean, you had Boys in the Hood. That was a black cast movie. I, I don't actually recall other than maybe like the teacher i don't recall any white people in boys in the hood uh you had uh dangerous minds uh that was there where you had of course like you know the special white protagonists and stuff but you had films at that time that were very heavy like nearly all black films so and and they were successful uh and remember too you have the vhs market back then so even anything that's not uh, if the numbers weren't going to hit then as high as they hit now, you had that VHS and the money that was made 
that put Cube Vision on the map for Ice Cube creating the Friday series. When he created Friday, the bulk of his money was not made in the theaters. It was made with those VHS tapes and people finding out. And then it went to DVD and, you know, bootlegging and folks showing up to the barber shop and talking about, look, you need to go ahead and watch this. So, um, yeah, I definitely think the movie would be successful. Uh, I think it would have been very interesting to go ahead and have a movie like this. It may have set things in motion to where you already had more black superheroes to where we would have had the ability to go ahead and uh, see a standalone Falcon film by this time. Go ahead and have a chance to go ahead and see a standalone War Machine film or see a film that revolves around a black female uh, superhero. Uh, We probably already would have seen the Miles Morales Spider-Man that's going on. I mean... People forget it was rumored that Childish Gambino, who is arguably one of the top five most like sought after individuals in music and film right now, Donald Glover. I mean, he is the man. They put the brother in Star Wars as like a young Lando Calrissian. Do you know how big that is? Um, you know, one in Os or one a uh, um a grant or no, wait, what was he? It was um an Emmy. He won an Emmy. Um, you know, two two Emmys have been won for the show. He won an Emmy himself for being the best lead inside of a comedy, which, I mean, those type of things just don't happen to anybody. I mean, Veep done one. I don't know how many things. It's so hard to go ahead and break into that. And he was pegged to go ahead and be Peter Parker. And, I mean, Reddit had a field day. The blogs had a field day. They were just like, no, Peter Parker cannot be black. Although Peter Parker already was black inside of the Marvel Ultimate Universe. And now they're trying to redo it. I think they got a Marvel Ultimate Spider-Man. I saw a um, trailer for that uh, drop uh, while I was watching the Thor Ragnarok. And it seemed interesting. But, of course, I was like, oh, they did it uh, in uh, animated type version. And when he pulled off the little mask and he was talking to Peter Parker, who happened to go ahead and still be alive in his universe, but he's not alive in Miles Morales's universe in the ultimate universe. And he just asked me, he's like, how many of us are there? And he pulls his mask off. If you would have heard the chattering and whispering going on between all of the non melanated folks, uh, inside of the, uh, theater, it, it was funny. I was just all like, damn, I'm like, it's 2017, y'all. I mean, it's a cartoon. <laughs> it's really that serious. So I think a 1998 Black Panther film also would have done a lot to go ahead and progress and push forward uh, more characters of color. And naturally, too, whenever black folks is winning, that means all other minorities are winning. So that means we would have gone ahead and had a dope Latinx-like superhero emerge and pop up. Uh, we would have had some dope Asian characters move in and pop up and not just be relegated to a far off Eastern mystical type of thing, but really actual fleshed out full characters. Um, and probably then at this point, we'd be looking at some type of Black Panther S type film that really focused on LGBTQ type of like situations and characters. So it's like it was a a, a missed opportunity, but it's an opportunity that never really existed, but just you know, I do believe that there was talks about trying to do a Black Panther film back then. I knew that there were talks when it came to trying to do the character of Hannibal. So this is what my what-if scenario is. And I think this is something that we'll be bringing back later with some other what-ifs, possibly. So what if the Black Panther was created in 1998 and recast with 90s stars? And that's who we have. So this is Cousin Benji. It's been a pleasure rapping with y'all and having some fun trips down 1990s memory lane and adding in a little bit of flavor to it. So this is me here with the SonicBreakdown.com on the Stay Woke podcast. Make sure that you go ahead and check out any and all episodes with inside of our Woke Condon series and also some of our other content that we have on there. And it has been a pleasure with y'all. Remember, you cannot stay woke if you don't be woke. And I'm out. 